Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Coffee Podcast. My name is Vic Bonacci, and you can reach me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. This is episode 46. For this episode, I was in Orlando, Florida, taking the Training from the Back of the Room workshop from Sharon Bowman. Uh, for the podcast, I was joined by eight other participants. So that's right. We had nine people on the podcast, which may have been a record. And you can literally hear us passing the mic between uh, between speakers. But it was great to hear so many different perspectives of people who attended the course with me. This was training from the back of the room. It's it's taught by Sharon Bowman. Now, she's been she's been teaching this uh, these methods for several years now, for about five or six years. She's got a book out uh, called Training from the Back of the Room, 65 Ways to Step Aside and Let Them Learn. That came out in 2009. Uh, she has another one, uh, Brain Science. It's called Brain Science, um, using brain science, rather, to make training stick. And uh, that came out a couple years after that. And she uses these, um, she's a master of her craft, Sharon is, but she uses so many simple techniques to make training that much more um, not only fun and enjoyable, but that much more sticky, that much uh, easier to be retained. And so it's a fantastic class if you do any type of training. Uh, now, all the participants on today's podcast are either scrum masters or coaches or trainers in the Agile space. But in our workshop, we had um, we had three people from the military. We had a handful of teachers. We had other people from um, other industries that, that hadn't even heard of scrum or Agile. So that made for uh, really lively give and take at each of the table where we were each letting the people who weren't familiar with Scrum know what it was, but we were using the techniques from the class to to convey that information. So it put it into perspective in a really great way. So before we get into this, I want to just point out that all the notes are, as always, on the website, agilecoffee.com slash episode 46. You can find a link to uh, Sharon's website, which is bowperson.com. Some of her upcoming dates where she'll be teaching. Uh, she's got a London workshop that's unfortunately already sold out. Uh, it's coming up in May, but check the website for that. Maybe there's a wait list that you can get onto. Also, she'll be teaching again in October in the U.S. That'll be in Nashville, actually, Nashville, Tennessee, in October. Um, it's also the last time that you can get her training certification which, by the way, is an excellent third-day addition to the course. So the typical workshop is two days, but if you do stick around for the third day and get the trainer certification, then you now are equipped to train the class yourself. So that's something that I did, and a, a number of us did that. We, we stuck around, got the training certification. So I will be teaching probably Brett Palmer and I. So many of the longtime listeners have heard Brett on the podcast before several times. Brett and I are trying to get something together for later on in the summer. Perhaps early autumn will start in SoCal, but we've also got some interest in the San Jose area as well as uh, in Phoenix after that. So pay attention to the podcasts or uh, just go to the website, agilecoffee.com, and you can find out more information on any upcoming workshops that uh, I'll be putting on. Really great stuff, uh, fantastic people that I met there at the class. Um, I, I know we'll be keeping in touch and trading secrets, uh, success stories as well as, as how we've uh, been incorporating these techniques into our own training. So um, with that said, I guess let's just dive right on into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Agile Coffee Podcast. My name is Vic Bonacci, and I am thrilled today for episode 46 to be in Orlando, Florida, 
at Sharon Bowman's Training from the Back of the Room. It's a two-day workshop, and there are approximately um, 25, 26 of us here for the two days, and a good number of us are going to stick around for a third day to become certified trainers of training from the back of the room. You say there's 32? Yeah, I counted the number of cards from our top takeaway. There are 32 of us. <laughs> man, oh, man. So it's a very popular course. Um, and I want to welcome everyone around the table. I've got a probably a record number of people for one of these podcasts. So um, just real quickly, I'm going to go around the table and say everyone's first name and where they're from, because we've got quite a great mix of uh, nationalities and places, geographies where people are from. Um, Abid is from the UK. Lonnie is from Minneapolis, right? And uh, Tomas, Mario, and Fred, the three of you guys are from Costa Rica. That's right. Stuart comes from Scotland. Yep. By way of Germany. That's right. Uh huh. Dave is from the Republic of Texas. Yeah, it's its own country out here. <laughs> <laughs> and Anderson is from Brazil. Yeah. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm excited today. Like I said, this has been a great class, great course, and uh, we've got some excellent topics here today. The first topic that we have on the board is training from the back of the room and scrum workshops. So who wrote that card? So I did. Um, the, the the reason I, I brought this to the to the to the table is because. Uh, in some degree, uh, when we do uh, Scrum workshops, we already do something of, of training from the back of the room. But now that we finish or we complete our first day uh, in this class, what what you guys will do different or what you guys will add to the your Scrum workshops now that you know all this? Yeah, that's great. So people who are either teaching the, the CSM course or the CSPO yeah. course or even just informal scrum workshops mm-hmm. if you're not Correct. offering certification. Mm-hmm. And also in companies happens that not non-certified people are doing scrum workshops. So, Anyone have any ideas? Well, I think, uh, first of all, we have um, more techniques. So I've come in with a, you know, a, a utility belt with a whole bunch of tools and techniques on them, and I'm coming out with more. I'm looking like Batman now, mm. but it's um, I think just uh, having that having that choice and selection is is, uh, is really empowering. Yeah, I'm a I'm a CST wannabe certified scrum trainer. So if I'm lucky, like a year from now, I can submit. Mm. But one of the things you have to do to get ready for that is create your own course. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking before I do that, let's find out how to do it right first. Then I can fit topics in. Yeah. And like and like Avid was saying, we've got a whole bag full of, of ways we can do things now. We're practicing them live. So seeing them, doing them, feeling what it feels like and the energy levels with them is a lot of fun. Yeah. I think also what I found interesting with this, for example, with the CST is that there's a certain, when you've got a certain curriculum that you, uh, from a one, let's say from a certification standpoint, you there's a desire to put that over. But on the other hand, as we learned this morning, that really letting letting the, uh, the students and the trainees um, identify what's important to them and then shaping the experience for them. So that, that's an interesting, also with the CSDs, to balance the requirements of, for example, Scrum Alliance to deliver a certain curriculum with uh, what the real needs of the, uh, the students are. It's interesting. I can see so many different uses in the things that we have to teach. Um, things that we saw today, like the 
the factor myth game and whether it was played on the cards at the table or in the exercise that people shared where they moved around the room. I mean, the meetings that we have to cover in our scrum trainings, the way that we could check for facts, uh, like the baseball activity that was done. There's so many different fun tricks we now have at our um, disposal that I, I can see it just being a wonderful tool. Yeah, and, and, and I was going to mention that, that probably one of the greatest things that we are all getting from this workshop are these tips and tricks that we all have been collecting while we do our workshops and all that, and that we all can, you know, share and learn from each other and, and practice. And, and again, that all adds to our uh, toolbox. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm thinking about if I if I think about like TBR as a toolbox, or if I would completely change the way that I would provide a class because it's a it's a really different way to think about like TBR. I can also think about like okay, I would just add these, I would just add another thing, but I can also think that I can change everything. I don't know exactly, but I just one thing that I really know about this class that. I will change something in my class, but probably I will take the decision about change my class or no, like in some weeks or month, I don't know, but probably we do that. Like I will change just in the same way that I change when I start to draw, uh, probably we change after this class. I have a story about that. Uh, I participated in the Ayal Open Camp uh, back in March in Bariloche, Argentina. And in the open space, I had this idea to apply this four C's concept to the open space conversation. So I structured, you know, uh, certain topics using the four C's. You know, having people first pair up and talk to each other to what they why they were on this on on that talk and then introduce a couple of concepts and then have people have some level of practice or conversation and and and, and have a, a small closure activity at least have a, a round of your takeaways and people loved that mm -hmm. and i almost didn't speak and let people do the talk and the learning and it was um super nice people really enjoyed it It, it called my attention that uh, most of the people here in the room today is uh, actually coming from some uh, agile, agile or scrum background. Yeah, two thirds. Somehow, of us, yeah. yeah, two thirds. So uh, uh, it definitely uh, somehow uh, evidence that there is uh, a relationship on uh, people trying to get better on the way that we communicate. Uh, the trainings and how, how we communicate the Scrum and Agile message to the community. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Like I say, I'm a CST wannabe, and I heard from, I don't know, five, maybe six different already CSTs. It wasn't read the book. It was go to the workshop. I mean, it was, you know, it's kind of, the, this is the way to do it. I mean, it's one yeah. thing to, understand, to see it. I actually did read the book before I got here. Mm -hmm. It's another to live it, to feel mm -hmm. it. And that's the, the big thing I'm getting from this, especially Practice with all the, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Practice Practice all the variation in the room. I can also say that I'm really lucky because um, the first time that I really heard about, not heard, but I saw like um, this kind of class was was in a CSM class, like not the one that I get my certification, but wasn't from Peter Hundermark. Mm -hmm. Was a really awesome class, and I understand how to apply this for like Scrum class, like a mm -hmm. CSM class was. But I, I learned like a lot of CSC they talk about that, but it's just something. Okay, we'll go there. We'll be good. One interesting thing about the CST application, how many people here are CSTs? Anyone? Just one? Just Lonnie? Okay. Um, the application, part of the application process is you have to con you have to show them your slide deck. 
I think they ask for a slide deck. But if you're doing training from the back of the room, well, you might not have a slide deck, right? So instead they ask for maybe photos of your activities or something like that that you might have instead. But it's really a different way of kind of putting together your application then. Well, I kind of have a little different take on it. Mm -hmm. You may not use a slide deck or you may not think you need it, but you can't forget about your visual learners. Mm -hmm. There are people who do learn from reading Mm -hmm. and who do learn from looking at a picture that cements an idea. So even though I have a lot of training from the back of the room concepts in my material, I still use a slide deck because I think some learners benefit from that as well. Now, it's not a death by PowerPoint kind of slide deck. It's very different, um, but I do believe there's benefit in that. And like I said, even Sharon was using one today. So Yeah, and I think it reinforces one of the uh, biggest trumps for me, and it is uh, that uh, images uh, trumps words, as we have seen today. Uh, and so if, it doesn't mean that you don't have to create in the slide deck, but it has to be meaningful in terms of uh, pictures that actually reinforces what you're trying to uh, teach. That's a great point, and it transitions nicely into our next uh, topic, which is brain-based learning in one-to-one coaching context. So there's what I was thinking today. I, mean, I, I do um, maybe like a beep. I do 80, 80, 90% of what I'm doing is, is coaching with individuals and with teams and with enterprises and, and a little bit of training. And so what, what I was thinking today is it's like really how can how can I use these um, things that we're learning, the six trumps, to, to really um, – connect better with coaches and with and with companies and teams because it's the same kind of things it's like and i like the statement like uh, you know if you let people put things in their own words you know basically um explain things in their own words and their own concept themselves so that was really what i was getting at today is how can we really uh use these techniques uh not just in training but also when we've got like a half hour uh session with uh with a middle manager or senior manager so Tomas mentioned, referred to one of the Trumps. Who can list? Let's just do a pop-up. What are the six Trumps? Let me take the first one. Go Movement on. over, over in action. Movement over sitting. Movement over sitting is one. Yeah. Short Trumps long. Short Trumps long. What's the one you mentioned earlier, Tom? Tomas? Uh, picture Trumps words yeah. or uh, images yeah. Trumps, yeah. Trump's words. Yeah. And we've got different to the same. So. Different Trumps same. Shorter yeah. Trumps. Uh, longer, shorter, mm. Trump's longer. Yeah. Right. Writing, Trump's, Trump's listening. Listening, yeah. Writing, mm-hmm. Trump's listening, and speaking, Trump's reading. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if I think of like the different Trump's same, I think somebody mentioned that earlier. If you're talking to, uh, I went, I went in last last week to a bunch of uh, a big insurance company in Germany and uh, with the management group executives, and they were really they're really conservative. So what we didn't do, but what we could have done, is just flip things around and sort of saying, instead of us all sitting down here in black suits, uh, we could have taken the desks out, we could have tried to mm-hmm. activate the audience. Even though we had 25 minutes in front of this group, uh, we could have flipped it around using some of these techniques, like just doing something differently. These guys are used to listening to corporate presentations from people in black suits. And we could have flipped around using uh, other I, techniques. I think the trumps, uh, the real value in, in uh, real applicability to coaching will be the will be the six trumps. The techniques um, are situational; they they depend on a lot of things. Exactly. And it's you have to, and you'll come up with your own techniques based on a what sort of training circumstances you find yourselves in. But if you can go back to the to the underlying principles, which will which which will influence your coaching, I think that is something that you can you can take with you regardless of whether you're training or you're coaching. Coaching in a group or coaching on one-on-one, those six trumps I think are, are, are really 
um, valuable guiding principles. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it enhances my uh, coaching toolkit just after a day. I mean, I can take it back next week and start to really think about it. Does anyone else here do one-on-one training pretty often, or yeah? Well, I, I have this experience with mm-hmm. one-on-ones that I was going to mention. Yeah. Which you know, sometimes when I see someone really stuck or, or going through a difficult emotional something, I, I do the you know work around one-on-one, and I'm thinking now that that might you know uh, or that that relates to the trumps because you know uh, it gets you moving. It also makes it different, different experience that the usual. Well, yeah, let's sit yeah. and talk or drink a coffee. So, are you talking about like a, a walkabout? Some people call it yes. where you, instead of sitting together in a walk room, you talk. get up and yeah. maybe walk, yeah. walk yeah. and talk outside yeah. the office or in somewhere else. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that's a good point, I and mean, it's, it's a good technique. It also kind of time boxes it too. If you're walking around like a, an office building, I used to use it and. One circle around would be like eight minutes or something like that. So yeah. if you know you want to have an eight-minute conversation, it's one loop. If it's going to be a fifteen-minute conversation, and you, you can you can get people who are very difficult to get time with them. We, we do some work with a chip manufacturer, and it's impossible to get time with people. And so what we started to do is the office is about five hundred meters away from the canteen. Mm-hmm. And so if I get time, what I can do is and I sort of walk and talk. I say, okay, let's let's meet up and go to lunch and even if he's got an appointment yeah this person has to walk that distance and so we have about you know five six seven ten minutes where we can walk together and use that and it's it's really just this uh walk and talk you can structure it so that you get something so it's something else that could be done uh in the one-on-ones is that um if uh if you see that there is a situation that could be somehow represented uh, in a a drawing, uh, you can put that situation in a uh, third-person context and ask uh, the person that you're coaching to actually draw the situation, and then you come back on how that affects that person or or what his or she doing uh, is affecting the the situation that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So visualize. Let us know if you um, have any coaching experience or have you ever used training from the back of the room tools and techniques. Uh, Use the hashtag on Twitter, tell Agile Coffee, and become part of the conversation. Our next card says the Agile Manifesto and training from the back of the room. So who wants to talk about that? So this is uh, basically... um Referring to one of the walls on the on the training day that uh, Charon put together, uh, and she did a twist on the Agile Manifesto values, and uh, she converted that uh, or, or related that uh, to the accelerated learning. Um, and and basically, what we see is that they basically relate uh, to each other uh, very closely. Yeah, they do. and um, so it called my attention on 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 how this is working and also why uh, most of this class is actually uh, agile related people, right? So probably discuss about uh, how how is that uh, related in some. So why don't you pick one that resonates with you and let's talk about it? Yeah, uh, learner collaboration over rigid training design. So uh, that's definitely. Uh, something that caught my attention and that uh, has provided us a good experience uh, during during today's class. And uh, it also rings the bell on how it should be done in order to get uh, people actually uh, engaged uh, within uh, the trainings that we deliver. In the Agile Manifesto, what's the, there's an equivalent to that. Yeah. 
It was like a customer collaboration over contract, contract negotiation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a statement in the in the Agile Manifesto, which is before all this, mm -hmm. which is yeah. we are uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. So I think just by default, the, the, there is a training element to 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 us being agile mm -hmm. by helping others do it. The more the more um, more effective we are as as teachers and trainers and mentors, and um, and that uh, you know I think the more agile we can be. So, mm -hmm. but but I, but I think that is. Um it's a really good way that she'd have like to connect us to the subject because when I just when I read that Jaya Manifesto I feel that she touched my heart or something like that <laughs> because you know like I feel I've, I really like try to follow a Jaya Manifesto but then I just I just sent her a card and I saw it believe me like just touch my heart but I know that she knows that most of her students in this class will be like agile people that work with Agile and then like probably he do this like because you know that will touch our heart. That shows that warm-ups are actually an excellent tool to get into your audience, right? Anderson, the way I deal with that, when I feel like somebody is messing with something that, especially the Agile Manifesto, I kind of take it from a different perspective of let's spread the goodness. So, because Agile is being used in different spaces now, like in schools, and there's Scrum for Hardware, and I hear these other things that are coming up, and I think it's okay. You know, at first there's a fear, but now I think it's okay because let's spread the goodness. That's how, yeah. how um, I deal I don't with want it. to torture this analogy too far, but the, the small chunks, right, the 10 minutes or less kind of things we try to get into, by 20 you've lost your students. It's kind of me like a, a long waterfall release. It's 16 months long. We've all forgot what we wrote at the start. We don't remember what it is. What we delivered isn't really what they wanted anyway. So you check back early and often, right? And so the customer collaboration and the learner collaboration, same sort of thing. Let's check back with the students early and often. See, what, you know, do I need to go a different direction? Are we done with this? Can we trim the tail, go to the next thing? I mean, right. it's it's much of an analogy, except now we're down to 10 minutes rather than you know, two weeks. A technique that I've used <laughs> in training and, and Sharon made it very clear in the earlier part of the t today's uh, course is the dot voting. So she had nine different learning points that she wanted us to cover or she wanted to cover with us. And she had us dot vote on them and see what was important to us. What are the things that we would like to take away? She had us do some top takeaways too. So you're right. It's that idea of what is it that the customer needs? What is it the client needs or the coachee needs? Or in our case, uh, the participants, what's going to make mo the most sense for us? So I'm just letting the audience know that there will be a uh, photograph of um, the Agile Manifesto for Accelerated Learning on the show notes at agilecoffee.com slash episode 46. Yeah. I was going to mention something, uh, and it is uh, a topic that... Um, was brought up during lunch, and it is that a lot of people didn't notice the modifications. They just read Agile Manifesto, and it was until I, uh, some time after, or even during that conversation, that they said, oh, was it modified? Yeah. So, I, I don't know, sometimes you just expect some things, right, and ignore uh, other stuff because you're not expecting that, and that makes me think, you know, how often that happens to us all when we're coaching organizations yeah. and stuff like that. So. Taking things for granted. She yeah. called, she had a word for that, a term, habitual. Habituation, habituation yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a great example of that. We just see it all the time as Agilists. We think, oh, the Agile, the manifesto for Agile is up there. Okay, great. 
but yeah, if you read it, it's like, no, it's the Agile Manifesto for Accelerated Learning. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it calls my attention that there is one of them that actually remains the same, and it is res responding to change or following a plan, and, and that's definitely something that we can apply to everything we do, right? Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's move on then to our next card. We have, uh, Abid, this is yours. Are training and coaching coming together? Yeah, so I guess we, we we touched upon this uh, earlier. I think in the in in, in this discussion um, already. So, um, uh, is uh, I, I, I think based on what we what we've discussed, it seems like the principles are quite universal. Uh, the the trumps will, will 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 something that you can apply to training and to coaching. Um, maybe the techniques. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not so much the techniques. Um, uh, coaching is also um, uh, changing as well. Often we find ourselves sometimes coaching in, in more controlled environments and getting people to do some exercises and simulations and getting them to reflect, as opposed to coaching in their environments. Um, so I think I, I think they are coming together. I don't know what, what you should, what's your experience on that. Oh heavens yes! I mean yeah. the the cool thing about let's say you're with a company, you're doing something. They're using name the tool. So if you've been with them a little bit. And you know what their first backlogs look like and what they're working on. And then when you get into training, you can use their live stuff, right? As you do the training, give them concepts, give them precepts. And then when you're actually out there continuing on your coaching, and then you can refer back to what you've done. It's kind of live fire exercises now. And, hey, do you remember when we talked about that S-curve thing? Uh, look, <laughs> there it is. Hey, do you remember when we talked about, uh, you know, stop starting, start finishing? Hey, look at your burn down. So there's lots of places where you can kind of reinforce it in live fire when they've actually learned it. Hmm. So, you you know, you have to teach everything multiple times before it actually sticks. Well, you can do it with real information, real live data. Earlier in the day, we discussed on the importance of storytelling and how powerful that is to convey ideas and, and transfer knowledge. So I'm wondering, where are you going to get your stories if it is not in the trenches, right? So for, for me, they're basically, you know, very uh, tight uh, together. So. Yeah. And I think students really appreciate stories. It's often on feedback sheets, things I hear is, loved the stories, loved the real-world experience that she brought to the table. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. It, uh, that's the feedback I get as well that people it's, it's really about the stories and the, the real life and not just the, the theory and, and then with this training thing one thing I've, I've noticed with with one-to-ones with, with some management is just simple things like I go to a meeting I've got 20 minutes and then I, I put down stickies I've got like the list and I think this is what I'd like to talk about what would you like to talk about and they add things in and then we organize them so and we talk about it and so we just by introducing visualize your work uh Uh, prioritization, um, discussing about time boxing. Uh, it's, it's really a, a, what I found. People think it's, it's like rocket science. They go, wow, that's really good, that amazing thing that you do. And, and well, it's not just me, actually. So, <laughs> But it's, so it's, it's kind of you know, you're coaching, and there's also kind of training aspect is that they're learning certain behaviors that might be useful to them. So. They are two distinctly different different activities when you when you look at them from a 
kind of a, a definition. Like a coaching is supposed to be more of a um, active listening, asking powerful questions, um, helping enable the the coachee to to find the answers or to find solutions. You're not solutioning for them necessarily. Versus training, where you're kind of sharing a lot of information. But but I definitely see what you're getting at. Is are they coming together? Because if you're a coach, you're probably called upon to do some training pretty often and vice versa a lot more times nowadays trainers especially in our agile space um, when I do trainings for people they say hey you know in our particular situation you know your training sounds great but but this is our case and how would you work with us here and that's when I'd kind of want to fall into a coach mode so so there's definitely that aspect of the two merging I think for example what uh, Sharon has done with us today it's not exactly training is she's done coaching with us because the the way she the way the training from the back of the room is 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 done is more like helping us us to find us the right answers and that's coaching so that's uh, probably the, a good example on, on where training meets coaching mm-hmm. uh, which is the topic we're discussing um, and and uh, and it, it uh, definitely makes sense uh, when we see uh, you know, this conversation are, as a retrospective of the class today. Yeah, right? absolutely. At the end, from this point of view, you know, that uh, both the, the trainer and the coaches are just different forms that a facilitator takes, right? In coaching, we're facilitating people come to the answers, and as a trainer, we are uh, facil- facilitating people uh, share and, and get the knowledge. And, and remember that um, Sharon says that. Um, people probably already know most of what you want to share. So it's just helping them connect with that knowledge that they already have. Um, I wanted to just, as we tie up this topic, ask if everyone's familiar with uh, the work of uh, Lisa Atkins and Michael Spade. They did the coaching competencies framework, I think, with an X on it. Um, I'll put a link to it on the show notes as well. But they talk about that, too, that that the coach has to have complementary roles to pull from, like tools from the the tool belt, as you alluded to. And and just to close on that one, self-awareness on on which role you're playing, right? Uh, Which hat are you wearing? Right. When is it appropriate to uh, stay with one or move on to another? And as we move on to our next topic, I want to ask all of our listeners to uh, let us know what you think about training and coaching. Are they coming together? Use the hashtag TellAgileCoffee and become part of the conversation. So we've got a few more topics here, and then we're going to call it a night here. We've got uh, training from the back of the room related to self-organization. Lonnie, why'd you put that on there? I just thought that that was such an interesting correlation today as I was listening and participating in the learning. Um, It just made me feel kind of warm inside because self-organization is such an important thing to all of us agilists and um, to experience a training class that was really focused around self-organization it was just kind of a, a heartwarming experience to go through and it makes me um, believe even more I need to make some changes to my material to even make it more of a self-organized experience for my learners. What I feel about like TBR is something like that is a good environment to like promote like uh, self-organization like because mm. you normally you have said to people okay now you need to do that or now this is the subject can you just explain to your colleagues what what you need what you know but the difference between like is that like provide some tools and some ways and some mindset that help that I, I feel exactly this about self self organizations TBR yeah, it called my attention how uh, 
we actually followed an agenda through the day. We covered all of the topics that were in the agenda. However, we never felt it was rigid. And, and you, you, you learned that by reading the book, but seeing it in action, I think it was very powerful. And, of course, that is something that uh, in our uh, Scrum and uh, trainings, uh, you know, we, we need to make sure that we uh, keep it that way so that students can actually get uh, the most out of the topics without worrying about what's next and uh, how many time uh, do we have left, uh, you know, to call the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminded me of right, learning to ride a bicycle. Your parents holding it and you're riding, you're trying it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you turn around, they're not holding it anymore. Hey, look, you're already doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> Surprise, yeah. you already learned it. And then yeah. we move on to the next topic. Yeah. It's very fast. It's very... Yeah, yeah. And, um, the, and, uh, the cadence was very quick. It's good. Yeah, that was fast. And it's, uh, it reminded me of Pink's, you know, intrinsic motivation that, you know, we had a certain amount of autonomy over what we were doing. And we, we understood why, because we're here, because we want want to learn. But I think the levels of motivation were, were very high. And that's what I took away as well. If I can bring that to my trainings and my coaching, then, then that's really cool. It's, you know, it's kind of like student-led learning. But there's still the, the really nice thing, as Thomas said, we still got through the agenda. We, we, we met the goals of the trainer as well, which is good. And I think the opportunity to self-organize helped us build a bond at our table. I know more than one table felt it, but when she said stand up and I had the feeling we were all separating, I was like, no, I like my people. And we'd only been together a few hours, you know. So it was amazing how working together caused us to feel a sense of team. Yeah. Yeah. And we had fun. You know, we had fun doing things. So it Mm -hmm. it was great. Yeah, very safe places. She was talking about um, kind of a spectrum of low risk to high risk. Um, and, and the lowest risk is just pairing, pair sharing, she called it. And then the next step up is sharing with your table because you've established that bond with people. Um, and then a higher risk uh, follows in that from that. So we had uh, five, six tables here today with about five or six people per. So, yeah, 32 people or so. Um, I think it was a really good class size. Um, I wanted to hear if anyone had anything to say about their specific table, if they had any examples of self-organizing with any of the the tools that we use today. The one I thought of right off the bat was the um, toward the end of the day when we had to kind of come up with one of the uh, one of the trumps and one of the tools, and we had to kind of self-organize on what the content is. So this is sort of a watershed moment for me to see um, such a large group go through training. Um, I used to be a, a teacher, a high school teacher, and um, one of the things that I struggled with was teaching large groups and trying to get feedback and ensure that the entire group is learning. Um, and I always preferred smaller smaller groups and smaller classes. Um, seeing this format, though, I can see, one, I think people are having a lot more fun in mm-hmm. a larger group, and that can only be good for, for, for people's learning. The second thing I can see with the larger groups and breaking it out into these, into these different teams is that people can see what other people are learning. And so you are, it's, it's just compounding your own learning. You're able to compare what you've done with what other people have done. And you're not just learning what, you're not just learning what you've done, but you're, 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 you're there's so many more lessons you're learning as a result. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer now in, you know, in, in large groups, really. Yeah. I still got to, still have to struggle with the sort of the, the feedback and assessment and that sort of thing. But I could definitely see some value in the larger groups and, and, and the, and the teams. One funny thing that happened on, on my table was that, we all are a bunch of introverts, and yet 
it was very, very, very easily and quickly. We all were sharing our knowledge and our, and our ideas. And that's one of the things that this safe environment creates. Yeah. Um, one thing that was really interesting on my group, something like that, like we are providing, we are thinking about a specific subject to provide, like in a TBR way. And then what's happened, something like that. My colleagues start to discuss about the subject and they choose like baseball. I'm Brazilian, I don't know anything about baseball. So only about soccer and I just pick I pick the the flip chart and I start to, to draw things and probably they don't know that I know the techniques about drawing it's okay mm -hmm. and they just start to okay now we will talk about that and I start to draw things and then they start to self-organize like the, yep. the, the questions and then after that we start to self-organize other things and then we self-organize like the um, the presentation, like, no one, like, was the leader of anything. We just self-organized everything. It was a really good environment, just do what I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, the team did it, which was great. Um, one last topic, and since we're in Orlando, Florida, where we have so many theme parks and everything, there's a lot of people coming here with their families. The last topic we have is training from the back of the room applied to parenting. And I saw this card written, and I thought, wow, that's I want to hear what you have to say about that. So what's that all about? <laughs> I, I wrote that one. Yeah. And to give you some context, I have a 7-year-old who just started primary school this year and a 3-and-a-half-year-old. And, and I would like to think that as a parent, I can, you know, guide them and help them discover the world and, and help them, you know, become really independent uh, people so that are able to collaborate and self-organize. And I think that those are probably the greatest skills or, or behaviors that I can inherit them, right? And, and for, for them to eventually become uh, successful um, persons. So, you know, it, it just kindles something inside, so. Mm -hmm. For me, I think the six trumps are spot on for yeah. children. Yeah. Um, and uh, you were a yeah. high school teacher. Is I that? was a high school teacher. Okay. Yeah, but I also noticed that with 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 adults, we are in some ways becoming more childlike. Our attention spans seem mm -hmm. to be getting shorter. <laughs> and and so Wait, these what? Huh? Are, what are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, with all the with, with you know the Twitter and uh, and these yeah. sort of things. So it, it it's it's um I think we're you know we're approaching this maybe from from an adult education perspective but uh, i think it's uh it's spot on for for young children they they need to move around they like to talk more than they like to listen they are very you know they're very visual um and um and 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 they re they require um shorter bursts of of, of information yeah well, my, my son's five and uh, <laughs> he goes every friday we have two hour session we have a session um with a speech therapist um which is really good, it's really engaging. And then a, a Montessori session. And with mm -hmm. Montessori, it's really about uh, learning by, by doing structured learning, but he's playing games, he's, he's building things, he's learning by, uh, um, he, he gets self organized he can actually select a game to play with and doesn't select this thing. And then it's guided by the, uh, by the, the instructor. And it's, that's a really uh, interesting approach also yeah. that really builds in. You know, it, co it calls my attention the topic because um, I'm also father of two, but I'm reading a book that is called The Five Languages of Love uh, for Children, uh, which is uh, actually very related to this uh, Six Trumps. And uh, it it's, uh, really, uh, you know, rings my bell in terms of uh, how to uh, somehow focus the uh, way that uh, we have been uh, teaching our kids to, 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 as Fred was saying, as 
to be a person, right? Uh, not not only for school, but for life. Yes. It, it, it really touched me, the metaphor of the tiger in the cage, you know, yeah. yes. and, and how classrooms become cages because I'm, I'm suffering that with my kid, right? Uh, he is an Aspie, an Asperger. Uh, socially and physically, he's challenged, but cognitively, he's superb. I mean, he learned to read by himself, and he's having uh, some challenges at school, despite the fact that he is able to learn way faster than his peers, just because how education and his classes are structured, just because they expect him to uh, learn through uh, a repetition that he doesn't need, right? Other kids might need to write the same thing ten times. My son gets bored at the third time. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no uh, responding to change from, from their teacher and a bunch of other things not to talk about collaborative learning and a bunch of other things so you know again i think we can do a lot uh in our communities with what we're learning these days yeah yeah absolutely agree so just before we wrap up does anyone have any last comments that they want to talk about that we just haven't said here in like 10 seconds i give everyone a few seconds each if you have something else that you want to say would you recommend this course who would you recommend it for that type of thing. <laughs> I recommend it. I recommend it to to everybody. I recommend it to my wife, uh, and just uh, to come and learn. Because it's not about agile. It's not about software development. It's just about learning and people. And mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that I, I'm. I'm taking this course with my wife uh, so that we can <laughs> actually go back and talk about that parenting uh, topic yeah. that we just discussed. Yeah. Well, great. I want to thank everyone once again for being here today. Around the table, we had um, Abid, Lonnie, Tomas, Mario, Fred, Stuart, Dave, and Anderson. So thanks, everyone, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.